Hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Today on episode 294, I'm very lucky, privileged to have Jeremy Siegel, uh, Stiegel on the podcast. He is a coach, author, speaker, former hockey player, and yes, and a little bit more. How are you today, sir? very well Miwa how are you I'm all good I'm all good there I say let me just say kick it off like this yeah the handsome brothers are an evil lot <laughs> are the handsome brothers an evil lot no yes. <laughs> oh no 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 yes like uh one of your favorite films isn't it Slapshot 1977 hey you know what now you're speaking my language absolutely I love that movie <laughs> oh yeah if i want to look a good pick me up something to laugh at that's definitely one i would t- turn on and just let it run right was slap shot the thing what drew you into hockey or did was it something else well it kind of covers some things that drew me into hockey with the physicality fighting um of course the movie slap shot takes it to an extreme and and kind of plays it to the satirical level but you know what got me into it was being able to release aggression playing a team sport and um, I just, I love the rough stuff. I like getting in the middle of it and fighting a little bit. And yeah, I, I love it. I was just playing hockey last night, as a matter of fact. Excellent. If I had to describe your position, would it be kind of like, not so much the sort of person goes around scoring, but more of a sort of enforcer or guardian on the field? When I played competitively, yeah, I was, you know, I could be considered an enforcer or, uh, you know, I called it a peacekeeper, you know, so it's one of those things that, you know, there's certain unwritten rules and, you know, dynamics within the game of psychological, you know, getting under your skin and, you know, oh, somebody's gonna come after me. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. And then if I had to stand up for my team, my Uh teammates, I was more than willing to step into that role. Uh, So how, how was it? hockey of all sports well um like growing up in illinois i my, all my friends were growing up playing basketball i grew up outside of chicago and michael jordan played for the bulls so i, I was exposed to basketball the bears and football and all that sort uh-huh. um i just dribbling and running wasn't my forte and my friends would always tease me about you know playing basketball and whatnot and football i didn't want to get hurt every play but when i played hockey something about it that just the speed of the game, being able to run into people and fight. I'm like, you can fight in this, in this game. Like, this is crazy. But just something about that dynamic of, of body checking and running into people. I loved it. Uh, okay. But that sounds quite peculiar when you like, uh, yeah, you know what? I do want to get hurt playing football and yet yeah, hockey, hockey. Okay. Yeah. I like, I have no ice hockey is that gentle game where you go around like, you know what? Gently touching people with pillows. Oh, look. Oh, oh look at this feathery downy pillow. Oh, that's a <laughs> uh, not quite. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you might nudge into somebody or whatnot, but, you know, when you get hit into the glass, a lot of it is pretty flexible. So it feels like getting hit into a cushion. It doesn't hurt as much as you think that it may. But if you get hit open ice or your head's down, yeah it, it does hurt but you know there's is not as much of that as there used to be the game is has changed in the last you know few decades 
Well, yes. Um, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. But yeah. look, <laughs> he didn't want to play football because he was going to get hurt. Oh, please. <laughs> no, my, hey, my freshman year of high school, I was a, a tight end. I was six foot three, 160 pounds, maybe. I was getting run over every play. So, yeah, I was literally on the ground getting stepped on, like putting my hands into people's pads. I didn't like any of that. I'm like, I can handle the once in a while I'll get hit with hockey. But every single play, getting knocked over, nah, I'll pass. Why weren't you like a wide receiver or something like that? Because 160 pounds, that is very light for a tight end. Well, I didn't grow up playing football. So by the time I got to high school, I was on the B team and I wanted to play right wide receiver. I was number 88. I wanted to be Michael Irving. And they're like, you're six, three. We'll put you on as a tight end. Like, okay. And yeah, I caught the only two passes the entire season. My team wasn't very good, but you know, it, I tried. It was an opportunity. My dad got to see the one win we had that season, so I can hang my hat on that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this is the thing. Like you took your hockey, like your hockey career, say, mm-hmm. into college, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you kept yeah. it going there, and like, yeah. Did you continue? Like, and is that where it stopped? And if it did. Why did it stop? Yeah, that yeah. So I did play uh, through college at Iowa State University. It's ACHA club hockey, not NCAA Division One, Two, II, or Three. So I was able to play competitively. Um, and what got me there? I, I think I kind of dropped the question of you know my career. Essentially, I wanted. I, I grew up wanting to play hockey. That's all I ever wanted to do. I just loved the game. That's the only reason why I went to college. And my experience there wasn't what I would have hoped it would have been. Whereas, you know, freshman year, okay, you're sitting on the bench because you're a freshman, the guy gets hurt. So I get playing time. But then the next couple of years, I'm showing up six days a week and doing the work. I may not have been the best player, but I had the work ethic that was there. And by my senior year, I was the only senior on the team and I still wasn't playing very much. And because I wasn't getting a lot of ice time, I was asking the coach, what can I do to improve? You know, help me out here. Cause this is, I want to play professional after college. And if I don't have any stats, Who's going to sign me to a contract anywhere? It's like, oh, you're doing fine. You're doing everything you need to. But then the games would come. I wasn't playing. Like one weekend, my parents came to town. My brother surprised me from L.A. I was a scratch for that night. And it just broke my heart that, you know, my family came so far to see me. My brother surprised me from California. And I'm sitting in in the stands with them. And, you know, so I had a lot of experiences that started to make the game not as fun as a sport or a game could be because it's a sport you know Mm. I remember hearing my coach saying like it's not about having fun and it just became this thing that it didn't feel like the work was worth it like getting punched in the face for a living I didn't want to just fight to survive and then that's all I do I love the game but my mindset at the time of what I could have done and how I could have approached it perhaps could have been supported by working with a a coach and changing the context I was viewing my situation and opportunity from but I was just spiraling in in the wrong direction down a rabbit hole. Like my junior year, I got the uh, spirit award for trying to keep the positive attitude and staying upbeat and whatnot. But the next year, the patterns were repeating. I wasn't playing. And I'm like, enough is enough. I'm on the poster. I'm on the programs. You still got me on the bench. I'm good. I'll graduate in four years and spend my time with my, with my best friends. And, you know, I'm, I still am best friends with all my college teammates and, uh, I'm satisfied with the career that I had and I understand, you know, how it all played out now turning 40. It's like, 
I recognize that the window of playing competitively is closing because guys are retiring. So, you know, it, it was it was what I wanted it to be. I got to see a lot of cool places and experience a lot of wonderful things, meet a lot of awesome people and shape my life experience. So overall, it's been just an absolute dream. And to continue being connected to hockey and around my passion, I, I'm, I'm still living a fulfilled life. Like I said, I played hockey just last night. Mm, mm. And like throwing on the pads, like in, <laughs> let's just say, mm, well, not in professional settings. You must get mm. the right cowboys out on the ice. Yeah, you know, some people, <laughs> well, I mean, we, 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 we all get to different levels of achievement and competitive, you know, hockey. So for me, I, you know, playing as far as I did, I don't take it very seriously. It's just for fun and just to be around the guys and have a good time. But some people, they take it very seriously. They're trying really hard and, hey, all right, go ahead, bro. You you do you, just keep your stick down and don't hit me in the face. And typically that's, those are the people who make mistakes or swing their sticks around or whatnot. But just learn how to play with people and like, hey, it's men's league. We have to go to work tomorrow. Why are you trying to fight everybody? Come on. <laughs> Some people have just got that passion. But one of the things I've got to say about hockey, it's like for a team sport, it's the most mental team sport you can ever play because it's not done at some sort of art. You can never half ass it because the pace is just yes. go, 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 go. And if you feel like you're getting tired and you want to get out, it will chew you up very quickly. And, yes. and look, trust me, I am a person who watches hockey every four years when the Olympics <laughs> come. And I mm-hmm. sit down, get comfortable, 10, 15 minutes into the first game, I become mm-hmm. that professional, which like goes, hey, look, he's icing over there. Look, yeah, just like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, Canadian team. Yeah, they're going to be good. Ah, yeah, they, are, they haven't won shit. Blah, 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 blah. It's like going like back, forth. I go, yeah, what about the American team? It's like, oh, no, no, no. It's like, oh come on. It's the miracle of, was it, what was it? It's 1980. Uh, uh, yeah, 1980. You beat the Russians. The, yeah. Yes. Ah, uh, world champions at the time. Yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, see, that's how much I know. Sure. <laughs> you the, yeah, but you know what I mean? I know about the miracle. I know about the miracle. <laughs> Good. Yes. Wonderful. I'm glad it's out there. And if you didn't know, you might have found out. I have to tell you. This is the thing. You won your spirit award for being like a a shining example. Is this where you kind of sort of delved into sort of aspects of like, well, leadership for yourself and others around you? I think it was just kind of a natural um, demonstration of me working on my mindset and trying to focus on the positive, try to keep the energy up, try to stay on, you know, stay with the team, stay mentally there and not uh, lose myself and what isn't going well. So, I mean, like I've had leadership positions at other jobs growing up and whatnot, but I never really, well, I was a, a captain of my team before I got to, to Iowa State as well when I was playing in, in, in Banff for a, a my last season up there. So it's just one of those things, I guess I was in that development journey yeah. of developing leadership, but that year it was just 
holding on to that dream of this is all I've ever wanted to do. This is why I'm going to this school. This is why I'm here. Like I wasn't going to go to college. I wanted to play junior hockey and then go play professional. Mm -hmm. But then I found out because of where my skill development was that I need to, you know, take a particular route, play juniors and then go to college. And then when I got to college, it's like losing that passion. It was like, it just stifling the flame. Mm -hmm. So doing what I could to, to keep my flame going for whatever it was. Like I said, I'm still playing and, you know, I'm not going to hold any ill will against the coach for making the choices he did at that time. It's just the results of the choice that I made. It led to that particular scenario and my life is, is going well. So I, I yeah, I'm not going to hold on to anything about that. I'm glad your life is going well. And like, this is the thing, like, one of the things I think is always hard for anyone who's either played a sport or basically served in like military service or anything like this, finding that sort of purpose, finding that new thing to like stoke that flame is always the hardest thing because you're like, oh yeah, it's like this, but it's not like that. And if you can get that flame like rekindled more so for the new thing you find, like that is always a great thing. So with regards to like, yeah, finding coaching and getting on that path, how did you do that? Yeah. So I had, uh, was exposed to a peak mental performance coach when I played uh, junior hockey in Banff, Alberta. And I was just fascinated with his process and the visual visualization and how that supported me as I was moving forward into college and, you know, supporting my mindset to be competitive. Hmm. Um, after college, I eventually got a job in retail sales and was uh, working in a, you know, working in my retail store, just dealing with the challenges of, of the day to day, trying to get people to listen to me. Like my communication skills weren't quite sharp. Leadership wasn't quite there. I mean, I had, I knew I was proficient and, and I was competent at the job, but, you know, get motivating others to stay in action. I just was, I was not quite being successful or finding the success that I was wanting to because I worked in the store, I'd work with everyone. And it's like, why is no one listening to me? What's going on here? And around that time, I was, uh, I just started dating someone and they were listening to podcasts, reading books and always giving me these different tips and, and stuff. And I started hearing about coaching and all these different processes and things that would support development in these areas that I, I wanted to look into. And I just got to this point, I'm like, maybe I should hire a coach. They keep talking about coaching and all this stuff. I, and I just, I felt stuck and and I just, you know, I'd been divorced. The store wasn't going well. I'm in this relationship, finding this new information. So I was talking to one of my customers and I was telling him I was considering um, looking into coaching. And he invited me to a networking meeting that he was going to, that he was part of this group every week. They would meet and exchange referrals. And so I went to his meeting and ended up meeting my first coach um, at, at, yeah, at his uh, BNI meeting. And just had that little rundown of, you know, what are you looking for out of coaching and finding out a little bit about him. And it just happened that the relationship was ending. I was about to move because I'm like, I'm ready to reinvent and transition into something else and get out of the store. But I want to work with someone to develop these areas. So I started working with him. And as I was transitioning from Des Moines, Iowa to South Florida, he was working with me on exercises around like developing purpose and meaning in my life and what am I really going out to work for? Like, what is the overall goal? All these different areas of communication and whatnot that I hadn't worked in or worked on or spent much time intentionally like developing. He started like um, introducing exercises 
that started that started to get the the motor running to start to, to create the shift. And from there, it's like just seeing the response that I had in my being with working with him. I started going to different personal development events, and then I ended up finding another coach that helped me start, you know, the blog, and then find another coach. And it's just like every time I was looking to to make a big stretch or a big step forward or to shift something. I began looking for coaches to partner with on that journey. So I wasn't doing it alone. And I had that support of different perspective, different context and experience to, to, yeah, add rocket fuel to the, to the, to the journey. And it's just been like increasing every, every step, just what I thought was impossible is becoming my reality. And it's like living the dream is just becoming a normal thing for me. Also stepping through fear, but thankfully, you know, I, like I said, I had that mindset of looking for the bright side. What can I do? And that's always, that's served me well to lead me towards, okay, let's hire some support. And then it's been a, a wonderful journey since then. Yeah. Like this is the thing. I am curious because look, when it comes to anyone's journey, the first step is always different. Everyone goes like, yeah, you must start here, but no. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't work that way. Uh, mm-hmm. But from what I've seen, everyone's first step is different. It might be like, yeah, overcoming fear. It might be like, yes, just simply do it, like starting a blog. It might be a myriad of things. What was the first step your coach, your first coach got you to do? Hmm. It was that, that, exercise about developing a meaningful purpose for my life like that higher like what am I trying to create who do I want to be and just start to focus on like strengths that I had that I carried and recognize those and then starting to lean into those and that led to identifying values and establishing like those and clarifying those so it's like okay yeah yeah so like once I figured out like okay this is the vision of this is the purpose yeah. Then backing up with the values. And that was like, now I've got something to stand for. And I've got the concrete foundation that this is what I'm where I'm standing from. I'm curious where like before you did that, did you feel like you were kind of lost before that? I felt like I was doing what I should do and just kind of following the the American dream, uh, the happy wife, happy life, get a house, get a you know, get a dog, get a white picket fence on a hill, I had all that. And I'm like, this doesn't really feel like what I, what I want. Mm. Like, I feel like it's not, it didn't really, it just didn't feel like I had put thought into it. I was just going along with the ride and, oh, you want to get a house here? Oh, okay. Yeah. I like it. But yeah. you know, is those values conversations and what we wanted to talk, what we wanted to create in relationship and develop as a family, we'd never had those conversations. So yeah no what i tend to find is like you like you mentioned like getting a wife white picket fence like dog everything like that Mm -hmm. but what i like what you tend to find when people don't really haven't discovered their purpose because they haven't like done some self-reflection they tend to look at the whole sort of like yes what do i like what is my purpose what is my dream of success and they tend to lean into the sort of yeah when it comes to guys yeah money cars success and give me it like give me all the flavors of whatever choice they want as their sort of like yeah 
significant other. And they like go at it, pursue it. And yeah, when it comes to the ladies, like they might have like, yes, I must have a career or like they might be pursuing the whole family thing. But you know what I mean? Whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's not what their truth is. And it's some like people don't realize how hard it is to find that truth. It takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of looking at oneself in the mirror because there are things which you look at and you go, I love that about myself. Mm -hmm. And then there's other things you look at and you go, that that is quite ugly. And I don't, and like when it comes to the cold, hard truth, sometimes it's quite ugly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Don't find out about this. Yeah. That's not not me. Don't look over here. Yeah. Yeah. So like, this is the thing, like when, like when you kind of like piecing that together, like when you've been coaching other people and talking to them, what, like, what, when do you see, sometimes see them have that sort of epiphanal moment and go, oh, I, I am on the wrong path. Oh, I need to be going this way. You know, when it's like recognizing that there is a gap where they didn't think there was a gap. It's like, wait, I never thought about that. Or I never thought about it from that perspective before. Mm. Huh. And the, the once, then like once that connection is made, like that, huh, like sound like it's like, ah, uh, I hear it's clicking. I, the wheels are in motion. And then all of a sudden, you know, the conversations start to pick up and it starts to cascade. But it's like making that connection to something that they didn't see because they've only been looking at it from a certain perspective for so long. It's just the only way that they see it versus considering other options or other ways of being about it. Oh, I hear that. <laughs> Sometimes when you like that conversation and like, you know, I mean, I'll talk from personal experience, like when you kind of have that sort of ep- epiphanal moment, go, huh, right. Okay. Like, and we've got to remember in the equation of life, if everything's gone wrong again and again and again, you're the number one constant in that equation. And if mm-hmm. you're not taking like what I tend to find people are more open to it. And this is what I found with myself when you are prepared to take responsibility, for like not certain aspects of your life, but like sort of every aspect of your life, which is sometimes easier said than done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, journey of that personal responsibility like it it's taken me uh, seven years to get to a point of you know being centered in in my on my journey of being able to speak about things and not be triggered or anything like that but yeah like i i've kind of lost the question so oh no you said it took it's a journey of seven years and like basically think to stop things triggering you uh in that sort of aspect and yeah when you say things triggering you, what were some of the things in the past which triggered you? Like feedback, like people's opinion and getting defensive or, you know, like someone's making a suggestion of something I could try instead of you know, accepting it. Like, oh, well, tell me more about that. What do you what do you see that I don't see for me here? Because mm. I see it going this way and being open to having that dialogue versus this is how I do it. This is what works for me. Yeah. That was how I when I was in my coaching program, that's part of my structure of how I showed up. And they're like, well, you know, that could be limiting your opportunities if you're so structured that you're not looking a little bit outside of the boundaries of that winning strategy essentially is, you know, what it's called of that, what works for you to get you here 
won't work to get you to the next step or that next phase of what you're looking for. So being able to identify that and recognize, oh, wait, this is how I'm, I'm responding in this way. And this is typically how it goes for me. And then being able to intentionally choose of how I want to respond from that place of choice. It's, it's been, you know, a, a very empowering for me. It's been a difference maker and being able to, to share that with, with my clients and the people that I work with. It's, yeah, it's, it's that bit of information that, you know, we don't have sometimes like, oh yeah, you're right. Oh, connect that gap. I didn't see it from that perspective. And then the aha, yeah. but you know, everyone's different and you know, whatever that they're coming to coaching looking for. So mm. it, it, the time varies. Yeah. Breaking that pattern, breaking those habits, uh, like the late great Vince Van Lombardi, uh, I may bring him up because it was a Super Bowl recently. Don't like <laughs> Yeah. But, like, this is the thing. I had a podcast beforehand. Like, this is how long I have not been paying attention. All I knew was the Eagles didn't know who the other team was until, like, yeah, I was like, right. So, okay, right. But Vince sure. Lombardi, he says, yes, losing is a habit. He hmm. also says, winning is a habit. And the whole thing is when people, I like, and I've seen people get trapped in those sort of patterns of behavior uh, time and time again, going through that sort of endless loop. Breaking those patterns is ever so hard. What what would you say are some of, uh, like, has there been any sort of, like, not one trick pony sort of, like, way of breaking those habits? What would you say would be a good exercise to help one or two people doing that? yeah. So, you know, an exercise that helps me, um, it's about the cycle of overwhelm. Like overwhelm is something that we do. That's not something that happens to us. Like, yeah. We choose when we're in a state of overwhelm. And part of this process is to just find, okay, what if you drew like a half, a, a half moon? Yes. I don't, I don't know how to describe this over, over a podcast, but, uh, and you're, and you're in the needle you know, right in the middle. It's like, okay, where do I get to that tipping point where now I'm at overwhelm? Like if you identify, okay, it's about here. Well, just before that, when you're in overwhelm, what's happening? Where are you at? What's going on? How are you feeling? How are you responding? And when you typically are in that cycle of overwhelm, like, okay, what happens after you're out of that cycle? And then just recognizing like, it's some like there's a, it's a, a, like it's a something that's happening that all of a sudden there's a trigger that's that tipping point of I'm doing too many things at once. I'm, too many people are talking to me at the same time. All my social media and everything's you know ringing at the same time. Mm. It's like, well, what can you do before you get to that point of overwhelm that could shift how you're responding to your situation and to your environment so that you know what's coming up is where you would declare that you are feeling over in that state of overwhelm. And so for me, like recognizing that, these points of, you know, a lot of information coming in or being in a crowd of people and I've got a lot of stimulus coming in, like that, that can be um, a, a situation where that I could feel like, okay, my mind is getting a bit overloaded. How do I, where do, do I need support? How do I need to get, be supported? Like, what do I need to do here so that I can choose in that situation, knowing that it's going to continue being busy or whatever, but utilize resources to support being as centered and grounded as I, as I possibly can in that moment and choosing and recognizing I'm doing the best that I can 
it's just feedback. It's just information. It's just what is happening. It's not about me. Mm. How do I want to be about this? Because that is about me. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. And like, this is the thing. I think, I think with a lot of people today, uh, they, they get easily overwhelmed because, okay, now, I'm not going to say we live in a cotton world war society. I would say it's regards to some of the sort of day-to-day pressures. If you compare mm-hmm. it to like a hundred years ago, like it was a lot more sort of tooth and claw and life and death. And you went a hundred years before that it was even more so. So you had to have this sort of reserve of resilience uh, within you to sort of like, yeah, deal with that sort of, like overwhelming feeling. Today, mm. as you sit in the United States and as I sit in the UK, uh, like, look, uh, look, number one country uh, when it comes to economics and everything like this, like, you know what I mean? Number, f- mm. like, I believe we're number four or five in the sort of like country wealth ranking. But mm-hmm. life is considerably easier in both of our societies uh, with regards to our day to day, so that sort of realm of resilience is not uh-huh. there because you don't have to really call on it on a regular basis. Yeah, unless you're doing certain like sort of key jobs, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like being able to. Uh... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I just I tripped over myself at the start here. Oh. Um, being. Look, man, Could you say that a conversation with that's what we're yeah. doing. Okay, no problem. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Could could you repeat? Yeah. No. I'm like as I was saying, with regards to the realm of resilience, living in like resilience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Society, yeah. You know, for for me, like in developing resilience, like that was part of my structure for hockey and making it to each level like I didn't start playing competitive hockey until I was 13 by the way like most people start ice skating at five or four so I was behind the curve from the very beginning and it was getting up and dusting yourself off and trying again and developing that personal responsibility accountability of am I going to get up how am I going to be about this challenging situation that's not playing out the way that I was hoping that it would that I intended it to play out you know, and I think, that, yeah, like some of those well-being, perhaps, you know, um, uh, 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 techniques we don't talk about of how to manage stress, how to deal with loss, and to be able to support people in the society who might be struggling with being second place, not getting the job and being turned down or being close, but yeah, you weren't quite there, like, just being close is like, instead of just instant gratification, I can have everything I want all the time. No one tells me no. Like, that's not exactly how the world works. You know, being able to to connect with other people and not take things personally. It's a skill to develop, I feel. And I don't think that we spend a lot of time developing it because it's about more and now. Yeah. You know why I think it's a little bit harder? Because, okay, we kind of ha- we're kind of in this weird realm of limbo where okay right like instant self gratification you can get everything you want if you want to be entertained 
in an instant. You can pick up a phone, you can watch a film, watch a TV show anytime you want. Back in the day when I was young, when you, I would imagine when you were not as young as me, but like, yeah, you had to like show up religiously it, like mm. to watch a TV show. There was no yeah. earbuds, coconuts. And if you missed that episode, you were done until yeah. they run that show for God knows how long. So it was like, right. yeah, yep. Uh, it was like, okay, games, everything, right? Food, yes, no yeah. problem. But we also live in a world where, okay, yeah, as you mentioned, you go for that job. Yeah, you you might you might be just two percent shy of being like the perfect candidate. And you don't win. You you you'll be playing a sport, and yeah, you might not. You might be excellent, but the other team's better. You don't win, and like the whole thing is, I think a number of people can't actually deal with that sort of juxtaposition of I get everything all the time when I want it to the other part of real like reality of life, which is, uh, yeah, there's sometimes where you are not gonna get jack for your efforts, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it comes down to that human nature resistance to change, Mm. you know, because to transform who we are and like I said, what works for us and you get to that job interview and you're almost quite that guy or or the candidate that was qualified. You almost made the team or won the championship. Mm. It's like, what could we do as an organization to get that 1%, that, that over that hump? Like, what can I do individually that my career, perhaps my resume doesn't look, you know, the way it needed to, or this one, you know, one area in the interview, it turns out like I don't have the same amount of experience, or maybe I have the qualifications. I know I'm the guy, but perhaps this isn't the company that is going to up highlight what I bring into this organization, what I bring into this world. And I'm willing to find that organization because I've got something to say and something to contribute, like to know who you are, what you bring, and not be shaken by that, uh, you know, defeat or, you know, negative or whatever it is. Stay in action, stay stay with momentum. You're focused on that higher commitment because you know, like, this is where I'm going. This is what I serve. Like, this is my higher vision, my ultimate goal. That when you lose, when you don't get, it's not a loss. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for growth and for a lesson, something to learn, to an opportunity to expand your capacity in some area. You know, I, I, yeah, I've always looked at it as an opportunity. I remember my first store I was in, whenever I would mention like tr- struggles being an opportunity, like, oh, you take your opportunity and shove it. I'm like, hmm. but there's only like upside from, from here. Like, sure, we may have made a mistake on an order, but we get to fix it and, and show up on the other end. And I think how we show up on the back end of, of these situations, that's, that's a lot of value that is, undervalued yeah but this is the whole thing they're showing up and then they're showing up like because like this is like because you you strike me as a person when you show up you show up with your best foot forward and like you like oh yes okay right let's let's see what we can do we're in control of our destiny for the most part if shit goes wrong we can fix it we'll get it done other people show up on the back foot and they just like want to hand back and you know what I mean mm-hmm. everything like it's like no there's no point in trying to fix it it's going to go wrong 
And like, you know what I mean? They're kind of that millstone to the team. And like, yeah, trying to shake those people out of that mindset sometimes mm -hmm. takes a lot of energy and effort. And then there's sometimes where it's not worth it. Like when, like when you have like had a team member where you look to them, but you get the sense you can salvage them. What's been the thing you've said to them in the past? It's always come back to what's important to them. Mm -hmm. Why Why are they here? Why are you working for this company? What do you want to get out of being here? How can I help you get to that level or to achieve that thing or to create the scenario in your life environment where you're able to show up where you need to? You know, like you, you mentioned, you, sometimes that teammate, you can't shake. It's a lot of work and it's like, it's not worth it. If someone doesn't want to change, they're not going to change. And to try to convince someone that what they want is something else just brings up a barrier and a wall of resistance that we've created an obstacle versus acknowledging what they want in their being in that moment. But for me, like in my coaching program, it was learning all of these different contexts that I was viewing the world through that was filtering my decisions in a way that was a bit disempowering, like either or, like I'll either do this or I'll do that versus I'll do this and I'll do that. Mm -hmm. I'll have the job here and I'll have the job there. Oh, or maybe I'll I'll see about this, but maybe I'll try that. It's like, why not have both and? Like, what would be possible if you had the capacity to do that? Like, tell me about from that vision, what it would look like if you were able to. And to speak that vision into people and have them start to see it themselves. I, that is, you know, it's, it's really cool. Like, it's like something I, I feel like I've been doing all along, but to recognize that it actually serves a purpose in a structure of the coaching, you know, coaching role. It's really cool that I, I'm able to show up in this way for other people to highlight their life. Yeah. And basically I like that because in many respects, it's like, yeah, you're just like saying life is not binary. It's not yes and no. You've got a, a myriad of options, which are out there, which you could take advantage of. You don't like, look, you can have a cookie, and a donut at the same time <laughs> and it's like I'm, absolutely I'm like yeah you go with that cookie you go with that donut if you want something else on that menu yeah you can go yeah. there and get but like also in the same turn you are the person who can stop yourself having that cookie by putting that barrier down and that donut and yeah whatever other tasty morsel just with yeah. to like somewhat your mindset and yeah, maybe not having a real sort of plan or direction where you might want to go. Yeah. Like I was at the grocery store last week and it's funny that you mentioned this because I was walking around the grocery store and I'm like, I've got sweets and chips and stuff in this cart. And one of my values I, I say or recite in the morning is my health and fitness is the priority and I'll be in the best physical shape I can be in. And I'm walking around the grocery store. I'm like, Jeremy, your health and fitness is not a priority. Look what is in your cart put something back you can have what you want you can have all of it but your health and fitness is a priority that you've declared how are you going to be about that are you going to buy this extra pastry are you going to buy these snacks or are you going to continue eating fruit and drinking you know uh you know tea and 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 water and and that sort of thing versus going for sugary drinks and that sort it's like demonstrating like remembering okay this is what i committed to in that moment how are you going to be about it? And I did put something back and I was 
very happy about it. I'm like, this is just so much sugar in this cart. What am I doing here? Yeah, I think that's sometimes one of the hardest things, making sure you've got the right checkpoint in place, because it's so easy, so easy to drift. Because <laughs> uh, life in life in its own, all its little games, you before you know it, you're like, okay, I'm I'm gonna go to the gym three times a week, and like, okay, if you like, you go, ah, oh, no, you know what, I'm not gonna get up in the morning. I'm gonna get do it in the evening. Yeah, you know what? Oh, bit finish a long shift at work. Oh, I'm tired. No, that goes one. Oh, finish the shift at work. Oh, wait. All of us are going out to the bar and like gonna do this. And like, yeah, oh, there goes two. And it's like, right. And then like, yeah, on day three, it's like, uh, yeah, I'll go to the gym and, and you know what? Something else happens. And it's like that's one week gone. Yeah. Keep kicking and, the can down the road. Yeah. And you blink, you like you blink, you sort of like go, what? That's two months, three months gone. And you know what I mean? People yeah. do the time when like if it was like, oh yeah. Sudden, and this is something I put into practice. Ah, go to the gym in the evening. I love going to the gym, but if I put it in the evening, something always seems to creep up in the evening to stop me going. Okay, mm. a little less sleep. Let's go in the morning. Okay, yeah, so, like, right. If someone needs something in the morning uh, from myself at the times I go to the gym. There is an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Okay, drop everything. I need to save a life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll put the weights down. I got a priority here. Yeah. But I think people don't actually think about how they can like reduce the realm of resistance to whatever activity they want to do to improve. Yeah. Them. You know? Yeah. Like if it was setting up your gym bag the night before, and having it right by the door. And as soon as you get up, you just grab the bag and just walk out the door and you don't even think about it. Like yeah. I have free weights in my, in the, in my apartment here. So working out for me, it, you know, I, I want to stay as physically fit as I possibly can be as long as I possibly can keep, continue the habit. And mm -hmm. it's like, if I want to work out on Wednesday and Saturday and something comes up, it's like, I've got these weights. I can do it here. So it's like, take away the excuse because I can just grab some weights and start curling or doing push-ups or squats in the apartment. I don't need all of the fancy gym equipment. So it's like, take away the excuse. Like I also wanted to start getting up earlier in the mornings. And so I took the phone out of the bedroom and moved it across into another room. So I have to get up and go turn it off. And it forces me to get out of bed. And now once you're up, it's you're up. How are you going to be about what you said that you were going to do when you got out of bed? Mm. Yeah, no, I hear you. But it's one, like, I always kind of look at it and go, right, okay. Like, um, there is, what's his name? Uh, EDP? Uh, I think it's Peter David's, um, no, I can't remember. It's like PDB. Like, one of the things he said, like, talking about is, like, where someone goes, I want to and I will. And the difference between it, it's like, yeah, I, w I want to be like, I want to be the best person on in my office team. As I go in, rather mm. going, I will be the best person in my yes. team. And uh, you're like, oh, I was like, oh, it's like going, the way he was saying it was like, when you go, I want, it's airy fairy. It's like, yeah, you're kind of committed to it, but you're not. 
But when you go, I will. It's like, yeah, there's authority and like there's something behind it. Okay, that you got your why tied up with it and off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like he said, he checks his like his son wanted to. He was doing. He was doing a mixed martial art. He was doing um, judo, like uh, like Brazilian, like ju- like jujitsu or something like that. Mm-hmm. And his son was like, "I will be the best." Blah blah blah. Like yeah. And like yeah. a few weeks went down the line, as you know how kids can be. Yeah. Like, ah, yeah. So I kind of like you, and it was like, "Is that was?" Like, he went, "Yeah." Wh- what happened? I thought you want. I, saw, I thought you said I will be the best. So it's like, well, yeah, no, 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 no. And like he, like the some pushback. Mm. Unfortunately for his son, his brother was there. Uh, you know what I mean? Just uh-huh. like, no, you said you will. He was like, ah. and so that kicked off. And that, yeah. And it was like, yeah, like between like the difference between I want and I will, like instilling that will rather than I want. Yeah. How do you connect with someone to get that down? You know, I read somewhere that if you continue wanting things, that you'll just stay in this constant state of wanting. Mm. And when you declare, I will, like you said, that has intention behind it, that has a purpose behind it of, this is what I said I was going to do. It can come to integrity as well of how you show up and how consistently, but if you trust yourself that you will show up if you know through your track record of consistency that you may not have gone to gym today you may not have done the thing today but tomorrow you will mm-hmm. it's going to happen like there's you don't miss two days you you don't go a week without going to the gym i will be this it's it's an opportunity to continue like letting it percolate and manifest you know because i declared that i was going to be a writer a speaker and a coach and i was telling people i wanted to be a coach in 2017 and i didn't know what kind of coach i wanted to be but I kept telling people I was going out, you know, all sorts of different places and talking to talking about it to figure out what type of coach did I want to be. Mm. And then it's just like, okay, well, I, I, I want to start writing. I had a, a, an idea that hit me, you know, one night of starting to write in the story idea. And it's like, how do I begin writing? Well, who do I need to talk to? And then that part of, you know, talking to that one coach, it led me to another, it led me to another, but it's like, I knew I wanted to do these things and I knew that it meant something for me personally. It had meaning and it, that's was fulfilling to me. I wasn't happy and satisfied at work and I was considering moving, but leaning into what was fulfilling to me about what I wanted to create, what I was willing to do. Like I just stayed focused on this is what I'm doing. I'm in my lane. Mm-hmm. I'm going this direction. How do I find this? How do I do this? And then when I, you know, met to the coaching program, they're like, expand that capacity, but still that figuring out the purpose of what I wanted to do, what I was willing to do and staying in consistent action and finding support when I would fall out of action that, yeah, like I said, you know, the dream is real, you know, realizing like, this is what you, like one, my last coach that I hired, she was like, Jeremy, you declare and manifest like all the time. I'm like, it's crazy. It's like scaring the crap out of me. Like I keep saying this is what I want to do. And then it happens, but it's like, why be scared of having what I want? Why be scared of the journey of creating that opportunity? If this is what I really want, what I'm really passionate about. And it's starting to shift my relationship with being uncomfortable and, and having energy, you know, whether it's nervous or whatever, it's just energy. Like, all right, this means something to me. This is important to me. So 
Just take that and let's go do what you can do the best you can. Oh, I hear that. I hear that. And like, this is the thing you bring up important points with, with regards to consistency and with regards to comfort zone, because like, yeah, without like the most, one of the most powerful things in the universe is consistency. Like, because, okay, you consistently do good things. Generally good things will come back to you randomly. Yeah. Something bad will happen. Sure. But that's life in general. Same mm-hmm. thing consistent bad things bad things will happen and then randomly yeah you'll get something good what comes along but that's life in general like what people don't realize you just do something just a little thing little thing two percent each day and you like i'm gonna consistently improve my life two percent you like i'm people like how can you measure that doesn't matter i'm gonna do like read a book yeah i'm gonna do read like Go on a walk, listen to podcasts, like eat healthier. And like, yeah, that will be my 2%. Sometimes, yeah, you'll hit 2%. Sometimes you go more. Sometimes you'll fall back. But you fast forward that by a year. You've gone way past what you were before. You've evolved. You've grown as a human being. And people were like, oh, oh, wow. But it's one of these things where you still got to consistently maintain it, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it becomes a habit, you know, with that maintenance. Now, mm-hmm. I'm reminded of uh, the Bill Gates quote of it's you people tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in two years and underestimate what we can accomplish in 10. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I can totally get all this stuff done in the next couple of years. But it's like, if I'm doing this 2% improvement every day for 10 years, what what could that create if I'm compounding that interest? Like for me, I think this is year eight of that journey. So it's like, it's been a journey of realizing it for myself. If I show up and I do all these things that I said that I would do, what would my life look like in 10 years? You know, how would my health and fitness look? How would I feel mentally? Like how would my relationships and connections be? How would I feel personally fulfilled with life? And it's my own experiment on myself. I mean, it's hard to call it experiment if there's no control and whatnot, but you know, it's one of those things that's like, why not see how we respond over the long term by continuing consistently showing up? Because what's the downside of working towards improving an area or stretching your or expanding your capacity or showing up in a new way that's resonating for you or for your community? I wouldn't say experiment development. Like, <laughs> Because like this is the thing, experiment, it's a case of you're looking that you have no idea what the outcome is, but there is always the realm of failure. When you're developing something, yes, there is, yeah. that, there is that element of failure, but you're always looking to improve. What about fail forward? Yeah, no, but like, <laughs> like uh, the old, the old saying, fall down eight, get up nine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like applying that sort of mentality two things it's i i would simply say and this is not a gen alpha thing or a gen z thing or a millennial thing or a gen x thing i think with regards to that sort of mentality there are people which have that and by all means when you see those people they tend to be the people people like a revere quite highly in our society today when it used to be you had to have that mentality all the damn time because life 
used to kick in a lot harder than it is today. Yeah. And yeah. I would say in if you like if we lived in other parts of the world where like we don't have like consistent electricity, don't have light, and like you know what I mean, yeah. water running from a tap or like being able to purchase clean water, our lives would be considerably different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing. Sorry. You got nothing? <laughs> well, you got nothing? Ah, oh, Jeremy. Why do like nothing at all? No. No, I yeah. I got I got lost in halfway in there. So I oh, like, I, 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 I yeah. No, nothing to be worried about, man. Like, hey, like just hey, we're talking, we're talking. Let's yeah. Go. Yeah, yeah. It's thank you for the space and and for the, for the humanity in in these moments where my my blind my mind draws a blank oh like this is a thing like have like having conversations across like zoom and everything like this it's one of those things where there's times where people like oh, just talking it's like yeah it's it's not easy it's a craft and look there's like and when i say it's a craft it's one like something which needs to be continuously worked on to improve. People yeah. go, oh, it oh, don't you mean a skill? Yeah, a skill is a craft. Deal with that. It's not just like something you do. If you're just doing something, you're never working on it. You're not looking to improve. And yeah. like having the power of conversation, thankfully, I can talk. And like, look, <laughs> like thankfully you can talk as well. Like, you know what I mean? I admit. Yeah. Sometimes this is kind of an unusual setting uh, for like some people, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's it, yeah, carry on. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, developing that skill of being comfortable, having these conversations and, and going vulnerable and sharing those insights and being able to pull those bits of wisdom in the moment. Hmm. It's that connection that, you know, I feel partially may have been not lost, but it just, it, it wasn't as focused because of like COVID and separation and whatnot and not being around people having these conversations all the time. But for me, getting re-engaged into connecting with the community and expanding that, you know, it's also developing my conversational ability. Hmm. Uh, would you say before COVID, you were a person who was quite free and easy to have conversations, to build that sort of connection? Yeah. 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 I mean, I still consider myself a social butterfly. You know, I was starting to go out and network a lot. I had moved to Seattle in 2019, like the year before COVID happened. So right when I got comfortable where I was at and started going out, then I, everything shut down. It was like, then I didn't have the community to start to get to net, network with, get to know. And so I didn't have a lot of people to have those conversations, these new conversations and get to know someone outside of, you know, just talking to my fan, my friends and my family and the people that I already know. So I'm really enjoying this process of stepping out and having conversations with new people because this is expanding my capacity and redeveloping and engaging my, my conversational skills that I feel may have gotten rusty or just in general weren't as good as I thought they perhaps would have or were. Ah, like this is the thing. Like what I would simply say is go out there, do as many podcasts as you can. Uh, like uh, one of my... like. My man in China, Colin, uh, yes, he did a podcast tour um, in 20, yeah, no, was it 2021? I think 2021, where he mm -hmm. basically went, oh, yeah, his mission, and he was like, going, 
his mission was to get on to at least 400 podcasts. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, relentless. And he, I would say, like, I saw the podcast come up. He went on, killed it. And, like, he was sitting on a Zoom calls like this. And, like, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever software they might be using to do the podcast. And he was just getting out there and making it happen. He had yeah. like which you did hit, like which you have with regards to your coaching. And yeah. like, like, yeah, to get out there. Like, I think you should have a plan, like come up with a plan to like, yeah, get in contact with, I don't know, as like, let's go with 52 different mm-hmm. podcasts over the year. So yeah, to help you catch up, have one, like literally when you look back at the year, you've done one podcast a week. It's funny that you mentioned that because when my first book came out, I had a goal of reaching out to a hundred podcasts and I had no idea how to do that. So I was just emailing, cold emailing people on their contact page and whatnot and not getting much response, mm-hmm. but I still had declared it that I wanted to do this. And when I released the second book, I'm like, I'm going to be on a hundred podcasts. I'm going to find out how to get out there. I'm just going to start doing it again. And then I ended up meeting someone who introduced me to, you know, uh, you know, other opportunities, how I can become a guest and whatnot. And I'm like, I declared this years ago that I wanted to do this. And now like I have actually done a podcast last week and I'll do another one next week. And I'm getting on that train of doing them every week. So just like you're suggesting, like get those reps in. Absolutely. I am hundred percent on board with, with that advice. And I'm in process of, of doing that very thing right now. Last week at the interview, I forgot to turn the mic on. I'm like, why is this audio not working? It's one of those things. Look, put it this way. Look, when I, my first podcast interview was with a gentleman named Liam. And like, yeah, I was using, (laughs) I was using Skype, going through (laughs) OBS. And then basically, yeah. So double-checked it, triple-checked it. Mm. Soon as I like, tried to connect with him, OBS pretty much like crapped out. Skype crapped out. Oh. No idea about what Zoom was. Then, like this is like, yeah. Like mm-hmm. this was early 2000 and it was like, like 2020. And so it was like, no idea what Zoom was. It was like, right. Mm. So it was like, yeah. Uh, my like my blushes. Thankfully, he did. Po- he had done podcasts. He was like, "Yeah, okay, I record the podcast." Did it. My podcast chops sucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, I sucked. I sucked. My first. I sucked at my first interview. Sucked at my third interview. Fourth, fifth, sixth, and like, you know what I mean. But as each podcast went by. A little bit better, teeny bit better. Again, yeah. again, a little bit stronger. And like, this is the thing. Like, as I sit here with yourself today, Jeremy, like, look, this is podcast 294, right? Yeah. And by all means, I've still got a long way to go in my sort of realm of development. I am like far from being perfect. And like, I still need to work on a shitload of skills to get me to where wherever the promised land is. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, 
like Moses and the like Israelites, I shall be mostly walking through the desert for 40 years and then some, never really finding that quote unquote promised land. And you know what? If it means I improve on a day to day basis, I don't want to find that promised land because once you've done that, it's like, yeah, game over. I'm done, you know? Yeah. 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 It's like the journey is the best part. So to appreciate that process along the way, and even if you don't get to the end, the way there, that is what is guaranteed. The, the end point necessarily isn't. And, you know, along the lines of coaching, you know, I feel like a lot of people in developing these new habits and whatever that they want to create in their lives, these reinvention transition, people, people quit before it starts to get easy. Like I want to work out, but uh, you know, the weights are heavy and all this yada, yada. It's like you quit before you get people quit before it gets easy. Like if you can stay in the game, continue getting that incremental 1%, 2% daily improvements, stay in the game. Cause it will show up. You will continue to improve. And I, yeah, I definitely resonate with that. Absolutely. Because I feel like with continuing to speak with others on, on podcast and continuing to step into coaching and my writing, I'm going to continue developing and I'm continue expanding beyond what I thought was possible. And for me, that's the point. That's the uncertainty that I don't know what's on the other side of that, but I want to know, and I will step through it and I will figure out what is that. And then what next, who can I bring with? Absolutely. I will push back a little bit on that. It's not mm -hmm. about getting easy. It's about improving your baseline because mm -hmm. When you improve your baseline, yeah. Like when you start working out, it's like yeah. your baseline's here. But if you want to get to being better at working out, getting fitter and more in shape, you yeah. want to push that envelope. With regards to fitness, there is a there is an ultimate limit, but your baseline mm. will be up there, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. Like I like to run. I run every week and mm. I, I run like for a while, my baseline was three miles running and forgive me for not converting my district uh, distance into metric. I am an American, um, but uh, three miles but, is five K. Five K. Yeah. Five K. So uh, typically I run 10 K every week. I run six miles and I expanded my capacity being here. And, and now that's my baseline. But, you know, for me, it's having a baseline in pre preparation for running half marathons. So I don't have to train as long for when the half marathon comes on. I'm like, oh, I'm already running six miles. I'm already running nine miles. It's only a couple of more. It's not like it's easier because, you know, it still takes the conditioning and whatnot to, to run. But for me, like finding the state of flow and finding my process of that and then developing that capacity to run that far and sustain the, the energy. That's what it's about, sustaining the energy and the momentum forward. And like, if it takes me however long, like, I don't care how long it takes me to run that distance. I'm going to run the distance. No, I hear you. I hear you. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, let's see. Like half marathon to like half marathon in a few months time. Will you like, will you enter a full marathon? No, I have no desire. I get bored after running for two hours, you know, and I don't have a desire to run for four hours and. I got other stuff to do, you know, it's a lot of training and sure, but you know, for, for what I want to do with my time commitment, the investment for training for half marathons, it suits where I'm at. And, you know, for me, it's pushing my, my, my times for, for running half marathons. Like I moved to Seattle where there's a lot of hills out here. So it's training for hills and whatnot and finding those obstacles. You know, I, I, I like those little nuanced challenges running in the rain, running in the wind, you know, I get satisfaction out of the process of rather than, necessarily like 
I ran a half marathon. I know I can, but I just, I don't, I have a desire to run a full one. Fair enough. Fair enough. I hear you. I hear you. It's like, no, no full marathon. No. It's like, that's like, I'll sign you up for one. <laughs> yeah, we'll never say never. So perhaps it, it's in the future cards, but in this moment, that is not something that I have any intention on doing. Speaking of future cards, like with regards to where would you like look? You you've been on this eight year journey so far, and yes, it's taking you here. You've got two books down, like yes, you've got your coaching business, and like yes, you're about mm -hmm. to embark on doing a hundred podcasts in 2023. Yeah, a mm -hmm. uh, hundred podcasts in 2023. Hey, let's go! Absolutely, it's like okay. number five. Okay, there you go. Mm, commitment. <laughs> Is that there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Where would you like your journey to take you in the say the next five years? Yeah, I would love for this journey to, to take me around the world to connect me to communities that I didn't realize I had such commonality or connection to, or for to connect with the communities around the world that have been reading you know, my writing for the last, you know, eight years, like to be able to show up for them and to host a live event, to, to do live trainings, working with organizations and speaking from the stage. That is a dream that I have. That was part of the very beginning of, of being on a stage, whether it's a Ted talk or at a personal development event or company event or some sort, but speaking to an audience of around motivation, around, you know, creation and inspiration, reinvention, creating what was, what's possible from what you don't see possibility in. That is my vision for, for my life. I just feel so fulfilled talking to people about these uplifting areas of opportunity and positivity and possibility that I feel like I'm serving my purpose for being on this earth by leaning into this business. So if I was able to have the opportunity, whether it's going nationwide in the US or, or any countries in Europe, you know, Asia, Africa, you know, whatnot, anywhere, like to, to show up, with the capacity that the Lord gives me to show up, to serve his communities, to serve my communities. I am a vehicle for that. And I want to lean into that in every way that I possibly can. So do you have, like, apart from the podcast, do you have another specific goal you want to achieve before year's end? Before the end of the year? Yeah. Perhaps around like dating. Yeah. But, you know, that's a whole thing. Oh. Not a whole thing. It's just, yeah. <laughs> you're, fine, you're, you're out to try finding wifey number two. You know. Huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, if, if, if I, you know, yeah. <laughs> Funny. Out to find wifey number two. I've never really put it that way or thought of it from that, from that perspective. Nice. But, yeah, I'm, I'm out to look for a partner, someone who, you know, I don't, f I feel like I'm in partnership with. I'm in relationship with mm -hmm. I'm we're not trying to change each other and we're not projecting our you know crap from where we came from but it's a collaborative like expansive relationship and uh yeah so that's a goal that I have for this year is to uh okay you're be in, to be in that you're seeking that person that lady can help you with that journey of growth which you yes. can together. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Ah, 
Fantastic, fantastic. Now, look, I have to reveal <clears throat> I am a being of supreme cosmic power before you even start, Jeremy. <laughs> okay, I can grant you one wish. And no, no, sh- keep your mouth shut. Look, okay, look, you can't be wishing for all the wishes in the world. You can't wish for infinite wishes. You can't write stuff down on a piece of paper and go, I wish everything came true on this piece of paper or any device you can write stuff down on. Yeah, you also can't have world peace or a cure for COVID. Look, uh, you don't understand some of the demonic powers I had to call upon Dolly Parton and Beyonce. No, <laughs> no, that like I owe too much. There, yeah. Like, if you could have one thing, what would it and why? One thing. And you cannot give away your wish. I could have one thing. One thing. I mean, I. The thing I want is connection and community. So if I could have one thing, it would be to be connected to the community, to communities across the United States where I show up and they see my value. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's Jeremy. I, I, he, he does good work. He's out looking for, for, you know, building well-being and, and transition people's life. He's looking to uplift and bring positivity to this world. The one thing I want is, yeah, yeah, to not be seen as a threat. <laughs> yeah, like this is the thing. Like, look, like I don't see you as a threat, and like, look, many other people don't see you as a threat. And like, when you go, yeah, to be that one, like one thing to be that sort of positive, like member of the community across like the land. Look, you got to remember when you put out negative energy negative energy comes back to you like default when you put out positive energy and i've only like like i found the perfect vehicle for positive energy and how the metaphor it is i don't know if you know a tv show many moons ago called the littlest hobo no basically the littlest hobo is like this dog each and every week would go out into the American countryside and you'll come across like people who are having problems and he would help them. And once he <laughs> helped them, he would then keep walking down, like keep and he'll go off Just, to the next family. Yeah. Positive energy, positive vibes, any good you put out there generally is like the little hobo. It goes off. You will not necessarily see that good positive energy come back to you in any formal way, but it'll go off, do its bit of good work, and then it'll move on, go off, do its bit of good work, and move on. And yeah. I think the thing, building community, you can do that without the power of like a wish by just like remembering it's a contact sport. And look, getting out there, shaking a hand or two, like, yeah, talking to people, hey, starting up like, Start up your own podcast or start up a live stream where people can like, yeah, meet you. Like it might start off with no people on the live stream at all. Then it's like one, two, three, 
And like, you know what I mean? Just like the rain, yeah. it comes down. Right? Sometimes in the light shower, sometimes in the torrent. But yeah. it's only up to you. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I, yeah, and I do believe about putting those positive vibes out there that'll come out, come back to me or come back to us. And that's why I continue to say things like, you know, looking for relationship on a, a, a venue like this where I'm putting it out there. I'm not holding this in. I want to be open and honest and vulnerable about what it is that I want and who I am and declaring that. And like I said, things keep happening. So absolutely. Right. You know what? I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. And like, yes, you'll do it in a major way. <laughs> uh, I have come to Thank the you. end. I have no more questions. But let me just say, yes, thank you for coming on today. You have been a delight and a pleasure, sir. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Miwa, for having me on here and for being able to connect with you and for holding the space while I continue developing, you know, certain abilities in my own behavior. I, this has been a wonderful conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Can you let people out there know how they can reach you, how they can get in contact with you and get maybe a, some mindset or leadership skills to help improve their time on this world? Yeah. So um, you can find me on uh, my website is wherethechangehappens.com. Um, you can find my blog, the, the uh, links to the coaching opportunities there. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, name is Jeremy Stiegel. You can find that in the show notes, how it's spelled. I'm also on Instagram at where the change happens coaching. You can find some videos I'm putting on just about uh, coaching and uh, the books that I'm writing and just kind of, it's my journey of develop or building my coaching business and, and getting to know me. So that's where I'm starting that journey of putting videos and, and that content out there. Um, both of the books are available on Amazon and Google play uh, where the change happens is the title of the first book after the it's the personal development um, exercises I did, the results I got and what you can try sort of a thing to develop those new, you know, behaviors, purpose and meaning in life, or just different you know, exercises you can, you can try for yourself and see what response you get. Um, after the divorce from looking back to leaning in is a fiction parable that I wrote. That's a more of immersive, more of an immersive story of an individual going through challenges in relationship and at work and how a life coach can bring value and forward momentum to your journey. And, you know, it's that hero's journey of people, what people can relate to of, oh, I, I've been through these challenges before. I had no idea like I could be supported in this way. And so I'm just trying to, to meet people where they are in different areas of being in action or being inspired through story. So you can meet me there. Perfect. Perfect. Excellent. Do that people. And yes, meet up, make it happen. But let me just say this to you, my friends, my life warriors. Thank you for sticking with us all the way to the end. Please stay well, stay safe, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some. And remember, two steps forward, one step back, but always keep moving forward. Hey, <laughs> and we are...